G'day boys, welcome to the Coach and Tex. It's time for the grand final download. Now, now that was an absolute destroyation. It was delightful. What do you think, Shane? <laughs> destroyation. You reckon Rex, my words Rex aren't in the dictionary? Mate. What about yours? Oh, you guys are really nice, mate. I love working with you guys. <laughs> How are you, Tex? I'm well, Turtle. Hello, Coach. What a what a fitting end to a great season. Congratulations. To all involved at Melbourne FC, very happy for them. Super game, sensational swings and roundabouts. Just we'll talk about that shortly. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yep. Not enjoying uh, the turtles' comments straight up with the views uh, and the you know you'll start talking about compromised seasons in a minute. So usual crap. Well, we we shouldn't let him, Shane. We shouldn't let him. We should stick to the positives, which was a miraculous win by Melbourne Footy Club. I feel used and abused. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Well done to them. I mean, um, it, I must say, it, it is funny when you um, watch as a, as, a, as a person who's not um, not invested in the game the same way as when your team plays. And obviously, with the recent success that that Richmond's had, watching it from a different perspective, but watching don't, Melbourne, don't break... keep bringing it back to Richmond, mate. No, We're not allowing no, you to do it this week. No, I'm not. I'm, uh, Shut the fuck up and just allow me to speak for a second, mate. Uh, what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I think it's really interesting. Compare it to the Bulldogs then in 2016. Compare it to Geelong when they broke their um, their drought in 2007 and, and Sydney in 2005 or wh- whenever it was. Just that release of emotion and and then it goes on for a couple of days and you think shit. Okay, Monday's pretty good. Tuesday, okay, I've already had enough, mate. Uh, but well done to them. They've done. They've done. They've, they did really well, and and geez, they were awesome for that forty-five minutes, from about midway through to third quarter when it looked like, hello, um, pull emergency. What, what is it? Break glass for emergency. I, I reckon that Goody and a few others were doing that um, at that stage of the third quarter. But we'll dive into that a bit later. We, we will. What else has happened in the week that's caught your eye? Well, what about that earthquake? Well, I didn't feel it. There's not many of us. I did not even know it had happened. I was outside on the phone pacing up and down. I didn't feel it at all. I heard a rumble, but didn't feel a thing. (laughs) Well, uh, I was outside at the time, and I could hear the front door rattling, and I thought the dog was doing something to the door inside, but he was, she was outside. And I thought, that's She's dry right. humping it, mate. And all of a sudden, I could feel the ground shifting. Uh, Matt's, my son's van wobbling, and then the garage itself was actually swaying. I went, whoa, this is huge, this. So I was in the best place. I was outside, but yeah, as we know, it lasted for 20, 30 seconds, and uh, we moved on. Did it, so let me, let me test that out, Shane. One, two. That's very slow. Three, exactly. Mate, 30 seconds is a long time. I had that same conversation with my daughter. Yeah, your count was slow is what I'm saying. No, okay, but one, two, three. I mean, to get the 30. that quick. (laughs) Okay. So, I I, I mean, I don't reckon it lasted more than five or six seconds. Um, And it felt like, I felt it twice, I reckon, because I was in my car, like I think I said to you, Shane, um, when we spoke last week, and in the car park at work. So, I got to work and I was sending somebody a text message and – all of a sudden, the car starts rumbling, and I thought, the fuck's this taking the piss out of me? And my, my side mirrors had been inverted already, so I'm looking on the rear view to see someone's shaking the car. And then, anyway, I, it's, it felt like it stopped for a second, and then it went again, and it was like mm. as if the engine was idling. 
Yeah. Uh, and then it just stopped. And I got out of the car and there was a guy who came out of the production office and he goes, oh, did you feel that? And I go, oh, was that you shaking my car? Um, and he goes, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> no, that was a tremor. Um, and so, yeah, it was, um, it was quite surreal. It was, it was amazing that there wasn't more um, uh, damage or injury to people, but at least it got COVID off the lead stories of the news for a couple of days. So there was some good that come out of it, I would have thought. Mm. Mm. Some excitement, but not excitement, but yeah, something else to talk about. It didn't take long before those protesters and the governments got back on, on track. Scotty, Scotty M, mate, just making, making his presence felt over there in the US. Well, I see him with Nancy Pelosi, another well, one of Donald's favourites. He's done more than that, mate. He's gone over there and he's solidified his relationship with the US, India and Japan. And, well, they're all nice and cosy. So and don't complete, go knocking. And completely ignored the new world power, China. Well, he's not on his own there. Oh, well, that, that's much more comforting, isn't it? <laughs> no. Geez, I'll tell you what, it's a bit of a slow news day when everyone's trying to find people to pick on. I, I got some feedback no, on it. The... Didn't struggle to find people to pick on. It was I, very easy. <laughs> I got some feedback on last week's tirade saying that I didn't go hard enough. So mm. I, I think more people mm. are in the camp of anti-protester than they are pro Now, speaking of which, did you well, see... vaccination rates would tend to suggest that, Tex. 100,000 people a day, pretty good. Correct. You've got a couple of thousand who are protesting. And here we are only 24 hours away from at least being able to do something, getting to that 70% and we can play golf and tennis and all those things that we've been wanting to do. I hope you guys have got your tea time booked, have you? Uh, it's no. Bit, uh, no. As in morning tea? No. Okay. Well, we're, right. we, well, have we hit the rate yet? I don't think we've made it to 80%, have we? No, That's but 30%. it's tonight. It's tonight or tomorrow. I think it's tonight. We can, we're there. So, well, well a mate of mine's booked in for to play at uh, Southern Golf Course tomorrow at eleven forty, and that's when uh, the thunderstorms are coming and the start of about twenty five mils of rain. So you won't be playing at all. I think some people would play in hail, mate. They're that starved of their golf. So at least there's some light at the end of the tunnel. But did you see those um, the healthcare workers protesting yesterday politely in a law abiding way? Nothing wrong with that, but it's no, these no, other crowds. With their Melbourne flags and jumpers. So it was, um, I think it was a premiership um, celebration of all, more than the, um, the healthcare workers, mate. Was that well, yesterday? So that was Mad Monday for them. Yeah, correct. There's right. protesting and there's protesting, but we've covered that. Yeah. Hey, hey, last week we mentioned a, a little known place in South Australia called Halidon, and we discovered another one on the weekend text. Tutia. Unbelievable. I had never, ever heard of 2DA in my life, and I had to um, consult a couple of WA colleagues to find out where the bloody hell it was. Picturesque place, though. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Shane. Um, Darren McAuliffe couldn't be stuffed going up there to do the call of the, the 2DAAA <laughs> Cup because um, um, the, 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 second, the second stringer in WA went for did that. I think he's the same bloke who calls the Carnarvon races as well, mate. So, um, anyway, we've discovered another one. Well, we have, and, and who knows what's around the corner, but it is amazing. I still don't exactly know where it is. I know it's very much inland, but in terms of how far away it is from Perth, I can't remember. Well, there was this little green circle, Shane, um, which was called a track, and then all the background footage was yellow. It was like dry as anything. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, well, I think they were on a firm two. They were running on a firm two, I think. 
Or was that um that was that in uh, was that in Queensland on the weekend? I saw somewhere that I were, I've never ever seen the rating affirmed two, and it was a dust bowl, mate. <laughs> Actually, I'm just with the help of the Google machine. Um, it's an hour and a half, kind of northeast of Perth. It's up near Northern, which, as you guys would know, they race frequently. So it's it's very much inland, but a massive massive weekend for WA. Shano, sorry, uh, um, he cut across you before you were going to say something, mate. No, that's right. No, I, I concur with what uh, Tex just said. Just said WA is the place to be. We'll hey, what a bit more about the uh, Saturday night performance of the of the state? So it's a good late. segue. We're about to go into that, mate. I just wanted to mm. quickly ask you any quick views on the Melbourne Storm. That that seemed to just slip through um, the fact that they've just fallen over um, at the penultimate game. Yeah. I've got to come clean. I was barracking for Penrith because I took a double oh. at the start of the year, Melbourne AFL, Penrith NRL, and I thought all of that had been blown up when um, Penrith had to overcome the storm. But they were never really in it, um, the storm. And that was probably doesn't get enough coverage in Melbourne given the week that was, but that's a big slip from them. That's Port Adelaide-like. Well, it felt like they were never in it. However, they had some opportunities early in the first half where they dropped the balls at the last uh, interchange or passes as such to get a try. Then they got a try and was um, disallowed. unfairly disallowed. Mm. Uh, that had it been allowed, even if how poorly they played and with a couple of players injured slash short, uh, they would have won the game. They would have won 12-10. Well, so as much as they didn't play well, they probably didn't deserve to win. The scoreboard could have easily showed that they won. And speaking of coaches, I loved Craig Bellamy's response. It was kind of, you know, we got what we deserved. Full credit to Penrith. Um, and probably now our final. And I think I'm right in saying Wayne Bennett, who's coaching the Rabbitohs, he's not coaching them next year. I think I'm right in saying that. There's certainly links between him and another Brisbane team. So I think this could be it not for sure. Wayne Bennett. It could be it for him. But mm-hmm. go the Panthers. We just need them to salute and we're away. It could fall over at the last. Now the fact that you've publicised that multi, mate, it is every chance it's not going to. It's not going to come through, which is a crying shame. Really, I didn't see that on the bets with mates app. Yeah, did you see that turtle? Uh, not after the suggestion to go the first four at Sunshine Coast Race Eight at about eleven o'clock on Friday night after we'd um, won the Cronulla. <laughs> and the, and the result oh, no, was And the result was <laughs> actually for our <laughs> listeners, we you should get the winner. Our listeners <laughs> would say, "What are you talking about?" So we took a quaddy at Mooney Valley on Friday night. The and they're not actually that interested. We mate. outlaid we eighty dollars right and we got the quaddy. Only thing is, we lost twenty five bucks between us. <laughs> well, I think we went. Uh, we picked one outright winner and the rest field, the field, the field. Mm. So that tends to be a rather large outlay. Anyway, hey, this episode is all going to be focused largely on the, the performance of Melbourne in the grand final. So why don't we do- dive in, boys? Let's do it. Now, what a fantastic grand final that ended up being. If someone told you that one team was going to beat the other by 74 points, you'd think, come off it. Um, what did you think, boys? Well, let me just say, um, in last week's recording of our podcast, uh, you two astute followers of the game selected Melbourne and by a large margin. So for you two, it would have been no surprise. Uh, for me, at Melbourne, but a, a small margin, a big surprise. So, kudos to you two. I'm going to clap my hands. And... Well done. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think I sent you a text at three-quarter time saying this could be 10 goals plus. 
um, because it just had all the smell of the preliminary final when Geelong when they when they went bang against Geelong as well. I mean, I guess it was a game uh, full of momentum swings, and that last swing was enormous. Um, and when when you go over those numbers, I think it was sixteen goals four to one one because I think at one stage in that third quarter when um, Bont had scored that goal and they went nineteen points up and, and Melbourne had missed a few shots and I said to I said to the work experience kid, I go, mate, I'm telling you this this is exactly what David King spoke about. Bad kicking. Um you you've got to take your chances. I'm thinking, my goodness, is this going to burn them? And lo and behold they've just gone bang eighty percent strike rate after that. Oh I, I thought sorry Shane. No, no I just at that moment, um the way Bont celebrated that goal was like they'd won the grand final. They were already there. I reckon they got a, bit, a little bit ahead of themselves at that moment. And, and then we saw what happened after that, which couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't stop because of the momentum. But what happens sometimes when the momentum swings so quickly, you start internalising everything and you become a spectators on the ground and you can't do anything. And it just, as we saw, it just poured Melbourne. It was incredible football. I thought the first half was everything you'd hoped for in a grand final, right? Um, but if this was any game other than a grand final, the media attention on the Bulldogs players and coaching staff this week would have been enormous. I, I would say they were that. I don't know what happened in that second half, but any club who concedes that amount of goals, um, there is something not right. And Shane, you know better than us. Surely, grand final or no grand final, more could have been done and should have been done. It was a runaway train after half time. Particularly no, in the last quarter. Well, it wasn't. No, well, that's the third quarter. It was 19 points up. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. The way the Bond celebrated that goal he kicked, it was like they'd won it. It was it. It was like there was two minutes to go. But when Melbourne came back, and even at three-quarter time, when the margin was only three goals... It was 24 points. Yeah, I reckon they turned up the toes, the Bulldogs. And, and what I noticed in the last quarter, I, I admired Melbourne, and I know we're going to talk about some players. I thought they ran the game out hard and fast and, and they were as intense in the last five minutes as I thought they were in the second quarter, but it was the opposite for the Bulldog. It was it was a very ordinary last quarter and a half, obviously, but I'd like to understand why. And it may well come back to haunt them like it did with the Crows. When you put in a shocker like that, I just wonder how long the scars linger around in your head. Um, if I may, in eight, I think it was 85, the second, the second time that uh, – or the second – grand final that Essendon won, um, where I think they – or it might have been 84, actually, because they'd lost in 83. 84. Um, and and they worked their way back into it in the uh, third quarter, and then they just went nuts in the last quarter and then and then ended up winning by 78. Was that in that quarter or was, it, was that in the year after, Shane? Because um, I, I But that was all done really in a quarter and a half, though. Yeah, my memory, 84, they were behind at three-quarter time, but were coming oh, yeah. big time. Yeah. Yeah, and then went, I remember seeing Leon Baker running Western, through to the open goal Jimmy to the Watson, 100 yeah. end, bang, and it was just momentum. Couldn't stop them. And we're talking about one of the greatest teams ever in the Hawthorne yeah. Football Club through that era, yeah. and they yeah. couldn't stop the momentum. So yeah. we can over And it's a grand the final, mate. Well. There's no, no percentage at, at play or anything like that, mate. No. Um, yeah, uh, two years ago, GWS, same thing, mate. Um, and, just, and I don't they, I mean, they didn't recover. The, they didn't recover the year after that. They might not have, um, but um, the year, the year since then they've um, they've come back and um, and and they're having a crack. So oh, I don't know, mate. I, I don't think it was 
they've got some things to fix up, obviously, the Bulldogs, but let's focus on Melbourne. I mean, yeah. um, they started off really well, um, and you thought, oh, shit, how far, how far Melbourne? Um, and then, to their credit, the Bulldogs really upped the ante. And I don't know if it was after the Bont goal, mate, but I reckon when, when Daniel actually threw um, Gorn over, and, and even though Gorn put a bit of mayo on that, I thought, the way the little man was standing over him, it was like Tex trying to stand over me. It was ridiculous. Um, and I True. thought, hang on a sec, what's going on here? That 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 seemed a little bit... Uh, and it was an innocuous boundary throw in that they managed to convert um, up to Fritch and bingo, it was on. And that was it. After that, there was no stopping them. They smelled blood and especially at the start of the last quarter, it was in, we're just going to enjoy this. Good luck to them. I, I I would have liked to have seen more than the footage allowed at half time, but as the story goes, um, in the Melbourne rooms, apparently your mate Shane really put the acid on. I heard uh, Brayshaw on Sunday and Petrarca backed it up. Um, Goodwin was was into them, but pretty composed. But apparently Choco was right into them and basically said to them, "You can do what the footy world expects you to do now and fold up like a deck of cards. They are a very good side. They've come at you." What are you going to do about it? And they just responded big time, Melbourne. Big time. Mm. I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I think on a different I think channel. They they go looking for stuff with, with this shit, right? Because last night on um on the couch they interviewed Goodwin and he and they asked him what did he say at three quarter time and they said well when they get the ball from um clearance just boot it as long as you can. That's actually mm. what they said to them. And mm. I think sometimes, you know, the likes of all the analysts get all worked up about all the different bits and pieces. And, and most of the time, the game's played above the shoulders. And um, sometimes destiny's on your side too, mate. And, and I think for, for a fair way of the last few weeks, um, and all these teams that, that have broken these hoodoos, if you go back and have a look at their, their final series, it's very similar. The, um, the momentum just kept building. And I think good luck to them. They played well and they're... they're their stars came to play and also a few others. So, And it shows you what you can do quickly. They finished 17th, I think, in 20, Last, uh, 19. 2019. 19. Yeah, so that's, you know, two years. They've gone prelim, second bottom, got to the top and won. So I agree with you. Good on them. And I hope they go on with it. And I'd, I'd love to see them repeat that dose in Melbourne for, for the faithful. Whatever. That's the arrogance that comes out in you and people like you from Richmond. Why would you not wish better on them to come back to Melbourne and win a flag? Because I want my team to win. Oh. Is there anything wrong with that, mate? Well, well it's not about your team. No, well, I'm, you ask me. It's about you. So when you ask me, it's my opinion. So yeah. I'm not going to give you the opinion of a Melbourne supporter. Well, I'll stop, give you my opinion. Stop bringing Richmond and raining on Melbourne's parade. I'm not well raining on their parade. I said well done to them. So stop bringing Richmond into it. I didn't even talk about Richmond. You did. Righto, what's next? Oh, no, thank you, Shane. Um, those players that – so apart from the top shelfers, which um, typically turn up, and it was interesting because I reckon I heard Malcolm Blight talk about this uh, and some, I'm trying to remember who the other coach was. It's just often you talk about, oh, who's player – 16 to 22, that makes all the difference. But really what makes all the difference is that your best players play really well in these big games. And Melbourne's best players played really well, but so did a few others. I thought um, Luke Jackson, he could be anything, that bloke. Um, And Brayshaw did really well. I was really happy for him. And I don't know if you saw any of his interviews after the game, the way he spoke with the passion and heart. I mean, that was beautiful stuff, I thought. Yeah, Yeah, no, Brayshaw did really well. Do we want to speak about those MIAs, players? 
Well, well, and can we acknowledge Adam Trelaw, Shane, first? Because I thought he responded. We put the acid on him and we know he'd be listening. We put the acid on him and he kicked a couple there. So I was happy for Adam. Although he didn't get a premiership, I thought he stood up on a big stage, which some thought he needed to do. Yeah, well, he had a very good prelim game. Um, responded to his first final appearance against uh, Brisbane, I think it was, wasn't it? Did they play? Yeah, didn't get a kick, even though they won that game, obviously. But um, he responded really well uh, in the prelim and uh, he played uh, a fairly good game. He influential in the second quarter to uh, yep. um, get things going for the for the doggies. So, so yeah, good on him. Uh, did you want to cover who didn't stand up, Shane? Yeah, which are, um, are all doggies players, obviously, because of the, the way they did it. And I think, yeah, we mentioned their best players need to actually stand up. And for me, they didn't. Liver didn't stand up. Bond had a really good second quarter. I know he, uh, you know, what do they call it? The dream points, what are fantasy points? He, he scored high in that. But I think overall, from a leader point of view, I don't think he did enough. Certainly missing in the second half. McRae was the same, didn't give enough. And we look at the momentum swing from the halfway through the third quarter. What did those three players do? I think that's Ab- a real absolutely, absolutely nothing. They allowed uh, the Petrarcas, uh, Oliver, to go through the front of the stoppage Centre clearance way too many times, and as you mentioned before, turtle about Simon Goodwin at three quarter time just kicked the bloody thing long. You know they were doing that for the last fifteen minutes of the third quarter, and they continued to do that for the last quarter, and they did not stop one of them. They just fell apart, and that's what you don't want. You want your best players to stand up, stop the flow, get it back on balanced terms, fifty-fifty balls, and then get trying to swing the momentum back on your way. We did not see that for forty-five minutes. That is just poor. So where are they going to go from here, those players? I don't know. It'd be quite interesting, the conversations that they're all going to have, and they, I'm sure they will have, and Luke will have those conversations as a collective. But um, they were big, big time missing in action in the last 45 minutes of the game. I, I agree. And I think, Turtle, you might have put the acid on Bont from memory early in the year about, I don't know whether you were tongue-in-cheek or not, but... The only, the only slack I'd cut him, Shane, is I, I'm not sure he was right. I don't know if you take the field, you're right, but Steve May wasn't right either. I reckon Bond wasn't 100%. He didn't have his best game, but you're 100% right. He didn't have too many mates when when people had to roll up the sleeves and get to work. Uh, there, was, there was no one of note, actually. No one. Yeah, I, I, look, I think, I think that we're being a bit harsh because it, um, um, it was guys like him and Trelaw and Caleb Daniel um, and probably one or two others that, that, that actually got him back into the game in the second quarter. So they were able to step up after what could have easily have been just let this go from, from quarter one. Um, I think uh, we're a bit harsh on Bont because I thought he was, um, he was leading the charge there halfway through the third quarter. He went off the ground, and like I say, it was an innocuous um, change of momentum when they got that goal. I don't. Think, I mean, they've made a lot of that particular stoppage on the boundary, and Viney did this, and Harms did this. It was a nice kick out of the, the pack, and Fritz scored the goal, and he just snuck it in. By the way, but it, it was a goal, and then from there, um, things started to things started to change. I think um, there's other people who who are a bigger issue for them, and that's their their ruck their ruck position is it, clearly uh, an issue. I don't think Gorn was that influential. I think no, I together. Either. Um, between Mar- I think Martin nullified him. I mean, Martin didn't have a massive influence himself, but but Luke Jackson was the one who really stepped up and became a genuine fourth centre square player. 
for me anyway. That's what I saw. Um, I don't think um, they're usual. If you have a look at the intercept marks, um, May May was off, and obviously we then hear about all the other injury stuff. But Lever didn't have; he probably had one of his less influential games for the year. But they they had enough of their overall system that worked, and centre forward in, in that last forty five minutes was where they really overpowered the Bulldogs. And I think in the end, that's when their defence really came came under a lot of pressure, which I think was one of the question marks on on the Bulldogs from the get go. Yeah, well, it's pretty hard when the ball's coming in so quickly and so often yeah, as a defender. It, it's tough. Um, and I mentioned that those three players were poor in the last 45 minutes. So if you look at – one thing I mentioned last week is about the on-ball players for both teams and the difference of the two. The difference of the two, as I mentioned, was Oliver and Petrarca push forward quickly and run and carry the football. So if you look at the bond in his possessions, where did he get them? I know you're rapping him and I thought he played quite well. Where did he get his possessions? Centre oh, forward. And forward. on the outside. Two marks from 25 metres out. All right, and that snap goal in the third quarter from about 30 out, right? When did he get them from the clearances and actually setting up play forward of that? No, I don't recall a lot of that. So I'm talking about the impact that they can have. They didn't have it. McRae doesn't do that. Libba doesn't do that. Well, Libba does. They're very good. Libba gets carry the ball, mate. No, no, but he extracts the ball. He extracts it. He extracts it, right. But I'm talking about running and carrying the ball. They don't have anyone that does that. McRae's really poor with that. No, well, Trelaw would do that. That that's Trelaw's go-to. I mean, he's a running carry player. Did he do it? When did he do it on on Saturday night? Well, no. Okay, that 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 got nullified. But but I think that let's not overreact to one game. I'm sure I'm not that, overreacting. That... I'm just saying what happened. We say, what did, why did it happen? I'm telling you why it would happen. Okay. I'm not overreacting. Mm-hmm. I'm I love saying it. They're, they're gone from the, the competition and they'll finish 12th next Ooh. year. I'm just telling you, that's what happened. Ooh. And they ah. were responsible. They oh. get the big bucks. They get the applauders. They get the votes. They yeah, potentially get the brown lows. And what, we're going to let them off for 45 minutes of poor uh, form? Oh, oh, mate. Oh, 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 I, I, I wouldn't we're, be we're Stand up, mate. Stand season, up. Mate. There you and, go. Um, he's finally fired up, mate. Look at the stinky yield, Don't protect him. Don't protect him, mate. I wouldn't be going on with it, Turtle, if I was you. I tell you who won't be escaping the spotlight, Shane, is at the other end of the playing list, and that was Cody Waitman and Mitch Hannon. They were deplorable. Well, Absolutely we'll deplorable, those blokes. They we'll were they were horrible. And my theory stood the test of time again. It wasn't just limited to um, the Bulldogs. There was a player there on wearing the Demons Guernsey who, again, you can't trust. And I'll link it back to the colour of his skin for as long as I live. And that was Pickett. He was a deer in the spotlights again. So I'm not cutting him any slack either. I'll tell you. There was a there was a, a piece of play in the forward pocket um, where Bailey Williams ended up turning it over, um, and Pickett was chasing him around and all the rest of it. And I and I said to again I said to the work experience kid, I go, you watch now how they'll make this all about Pickett's supposed pressure, and he's miles away from. I yeah. mean, there are other players in that zone and area, and it was a bad kick. Yeah, right? I don't think it. Uh, they overplayed this whole Pickett thing, and they, you know, they come back and Luke Hodges carrying on about. Um, about Pickett, but he, he well, it was good pressure. Day. Is that when Spargo kicked the goal? Is that uh, when it could have been Spargo, yeah. could have been, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great pressure. Yeah, it was, mate. But I mean, there were other blokes in that immediate zone, including Spargo, who, who were involved in that chase just as much as Pickett. But it's oh, a it's yeah. a it's a so. it's a convenient narrative, mate. Um, he didn't do I don't too think much so. Else. That's about the only thing he did for the day, and that's yeah. that's fine. They play other roles. You can't trust them, Shane. This game's gone on for a long time. You typically can't trust them. 
Yeah, I think that's a bit harsh, Tex, um, as a general rule. Well, um, if we go back a few weeks or even yeah. a few months, I think, mate, I think there was a few Norm Smith medalists that are of Aboriginal or Torrens Island descent. I'm not yeah. saying there hasn't been. I'm just saying go back over the tapes and you'll see for 100 years that there's, they're, they're on fire or they do nothing. There's never any in between. And there was quite a few blokes who were non-Indigenous um, who had exactly the same impact text. But anyway, Correct. What, about, what about the event? Did, it, um, did the whole uh, Perth Stadium, the, the night or the twilight grand final, I mean, we saw night grand final last year, but, but obviously in a bigger um, stadium and in a traditional football state, what did you guys think of the, of the event more broadly? I thought I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought the pre, pre-game stuff was great, half-time. I think, yeah, I spoke to someone the other day about um, the Twilight game and I didn't really notice there was a Twilight. You know, it went from daylight to obviously nighttime from the first half to the second half. And I think because we've seen it so often in other games throughout the number of years now, we just accepted it, just part and parcel of it. So uh, I'm all for it. I think it worked well. Um, didn't seem to affect the players really. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I, loved I, loved it. It. I loved it. thought they did a great job. I thought it, it probably it, it lived up to or maybe even exceeded expectation. And I think I'd love to see – I'm now an advocate for um, move it into state every four years. You know, have three in Melbourne and one. I think Ad- I'd love to see Adelaide get its chance. But you're probably limited to maybe Adelaide and Perth. I'm not sure you'd go back to Brisbane again or, or Sydney, but I, I, Perth did well, nothing to prevent How much extra is the Gabba going to get as a part of the development for um, the Olympics? In 10 oh, years or whatever. In terms of capacity? Yeah. Is it yeah, going to add a bit? So. Yeah, it's going to add. But I think if you talk to people who'd been on the ground at both, there was a, a very distinct feeling difference. Perth felt much better and I thought looked better. And well, I think the, the, Well, double the crowd would have a bit to do with that, mate. Yeah, but just a footy, a footy state too, right? Yeah. Footy, yeah. Well, footy how are you going to grow it though if you don't give those outposts the opportunity? So... I, um, I, I would love to see the twilight concept. Like I think Richmond played a prelim, which was a genuine twilight game, wasn't it, against Sudo? I'd like to see that come back to Melbourne. You know, have a have a four o'clock start or something and play the second half under lights. I'm not sure I like the idea of a night game and you're presenting the cup at ten thirty at night. But if it's on TV, who cares? I thought it was fantastic. Good on them. How would the agreement go with the AFL and the MCC? With I think they've just agreed to an agreement to is it? 2057 yeah. or something. You'd like have that? to rewrite it, Shane. You'd have so to get rewrite it, or do they sell it off for those years if they want to move it over to Brisbane, Perth, and money goes back to the MCC, some to the AFL, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is that how it would work potentially? You two are smarter than me. What is it? You could do either, couldn't you? I mean, if you're going to be a truly national code, uh, it's a bit like the NRL taking the NRL to Brisbane this week. I think we'll have some merit. I think you've got to be a bit more open-minded. Um, it's not just about the crowd and where you've got the biggest stadium. I think, you know, 60,000, 100,000 in the scheme of things, it's not a big difference, but it's a huge difference. You wouldn't, you wouldn't play a grand final down in Hobart ever. Right. Um, But I'd love to see one in Adelaide. I think that that would do the game justice too. I've seen the national games for 35 years now. 1987, we first interstate. Well, actually you go back to 1983, really. Yeah. I should know that. Um, Mm. Actually, 82, we played games in Sydney. So it's been around for a long time, nearly 40 years, uh, for them to finally have a shift. I'm not saying we don't, shouldn't have a shift, but um, it's taken a while to get to this point now to, or being forced to do that because of COVID. Yeah, and now we're going, oh, shit, this has been great. It's an unintended consequence, Shane. Oh, and, I love and, it. And, and a good one, turtle. too. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Look, the one thing I, I think um, did, I mean, the ego of the mayor of Perth just got out of control, didn't it? He completely <laughs> fucked up the presentation. Um, poor old Goody, um, who's, who's, who's really the human equivalent of Humphrey B. Bear, doesn't have a lot to say, but had his opportunity completely hijacked by... By, by Basil. So, mm, Basil forgot to mate. actually invite him. Uh, uh, I was uh, concerned that if um, Bont actually got the Norm Smith, it, again, it could have been um, swords at, 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 um, at a couple of metres there between the two of those blokes. Uh, been I, Sarah Murdoch stuffing up again. I don't think Goody would mind one little bit. It was good to see. He did. He did mind. It's been, he's been quoted as saying he minded. Well, anyway. he, he got his chance the next day. I, I, didn't, I thought That's, it would have been nice to hear from him, but just the humility of that man and that club was, was actually something that we got to see for a change, unlike the arrogance and the rhetoric of the year before. So I thought it was, yeah. was nice and it was good. Completely, good on- completely irrelevant, Tex. Um, it's one of the more stupid things that you've tweeted and stated. But um, just in summarising the whole, the whole thing, Shane, um, uh, fair to say that we've, we saw the best team in the end um, genuinely winning. And I think they yes. also, one of the stats that was being banded around is sometimes when you end up on top, you don't always get the big prize. And that that's obviously happened this year. So um, I think from, from a purist point of view, that as much as what, you know, at the end of the day, it's not great when it's not your team. They were clearly um, most consistently the best team throughout the course of the year, marginally better than the Bulldogs and ended up showing on the night. Oh, absolutely. I think their finals average winning margin would have been somewhere around 50, between 50 to 60 points, which is incredible, really. You play um, very good teams in three games and just absolutely smash them. And, and on the flip side, I'm not sure the other team – I'd be very interested to see how they back up next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the eight as a result of this. I, I know you think I'm mad. Someone's got to drop out, and they're as good a chance as anyone to drop out. There's about three teams that would slip out before them, Tex. Well, Geelong, will be, be a... Geelong will be one. Yeah. yeah, well, yep, very good. Um, so you had a little game you wanted to play to wrap up this segment, mate. Well, I did, Shane. I said, let's call it AFL Playground. And I, if you'd have read the notes in the production meeting, I would like you two to give me the team that's on the slide, so the team that you think is going to really go backwards in 2022. One team. One team who's on the slide, they're, they're going to go backwards significantly year on year. Turtle? Uh, Geelong. Yeah, Geelong for me. Are we just doing that straight up? Just name the team, no reason? Just, just name okay, the well, team? West Coast have been on their back for uh, probably about six months now. Um, West Coast, big, big slide. They're on the big dipper. Okay. Who's on the monkey bars just hanging on? Like they're probably going to be, you know, finish around about where they finish this year, but they're not going to do anything spectacular. Uh, well, I think Geelong uh, are just hanging on. So I don't think they'll finish in the top four like they did this year. Uh, they may be around about eighth at best. So there's lots of trouble going down on down there. So with the assistant coaches. Actually, could I change my mind? I'm with you, Shane. Actually, those two, are, I didn't even think of West Coast because mm. I actually did no preparation because I didn't think this would actually make the final run sheet. Mm. Um, but um, um, I actually I, I'd agree. Now that you say that about West Coast, I think you're, you're, you're right. And... Um, Geelong. Um, I mean, I thought they'd slip this year, obviously, but um, um, definitely um, they'll be just hanging in there. Just, so minute, so just from a stat point, from a win-loss point of view, West Coast lost seven of their last nine games. Yeah, mm. yeah trouble brewing there. For and me, should have lost against Richmond. True. Over at home. Should have been eight out of nine. 
for me, it's Brisbane. They're just hanging on. I'd like to see something a fair, a fair bit different from Brisbane for them to kind of go on and, and win it. So I think they'll just hang on and be middle of the eight again. And your climber, who's on the ropes, who's going to just crawl into the eight or go from the bottom half of the eight and just go bang? Ooh. Sorry, mate, I didn't plan for that one. Didn't prepare uh, for that one. Turtle. Oh, well, I think Richmond will jump back into the eight. Um, but I actually think Brisbane... Um, um, again, with some smart recruiting and getting some of their players back, um, I think they're, they're a chance to jump back up and, and, and compete against Melbourne. Certainly Richmond have um, favourable selections in the draft coming up. Now, whether they trade them off for other certain players, maybe, but you know, they've got some, I think, two in the, two in the top 10, was it? Turtle or two in the top nah, two 20? No, two in the top 20. 20 sure. and then two in the top two in the next bracket. They've got bracket, four in the top 35 or something yeah, like that. Something yeah, something like that. And then two in the next bracket. So it's like they've got some Big opportunity to get some hopefully good players. So who's your team, Shane, that's going to climb? Don't know. Ah, well, thank you for that. It's very, very good. I said to you just before that I hadn't Thanks. done it, hadn't planned oh. for that one, mate. Sorry. Uh, well, I've been being on them. I've been being on for a while. I think Fremantle will pummel their way into the eight and and be deep into the eight too. I'd expect Freo to finish fifth or sixth next year. They'll go play. Just lost one oh, of their wow. key players. Wants to go to Carlton. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All oh, right. Okay. All right. Well, now we get into the fun stuff. Thanks, boys. Great. Well done, Melbourne. Uh, very good. Very good. Thanks for that in, incisive feedback text. And Shay, well done, text, Turtle. Very focused. Good man. <laughs> Morwood. A chance here for Collingwood. Shane Morwood puts it back. Oh, magnificent goal by Morwood. Shano, I'm so excited. Well, I'm not because I'm, I'm saddened by the fact that we might not get as many football coaching insights for the balance of our episodes this year, but absolutely fascinated by your five key moments from a coaching perspective from the grand final. That is the task we set you. <laughs> what a big task that was. So there's not, there's the, not for a mind like yours, mate. Well, I, I'm going to start, uh, and I'll, yeah, I'll definitely start with this. I loved how, uh, confident Simon Goodwin was was putting uh, Bowie Bowie is that how you say his name or Bowie as in like Jim Bowie Jake David seven, no, seven, no, well, that's Jake he's, he's Brett ba- he's Brett Bowie's Bowie. son so it's Bowie right yeah on to Cody Waveman we mentioned Cody Waveman had a shocking shocking day but oh shocking shocking night I said the only thing I did a three quarter time speech here at uh, uh, on Saturday night as if I was Luke Beveridge. And my players were my family, all right? So it was quite funny. And I, I mentioned mm. as Natalie as Cody Waitman with the blonde hair, you've done nothing tonight. All you've done is run into a goalpost and knock yourself out. There's the only thing he's contributed. But Bowie had did a super job. The kids played seven games. And I think he's had seven wins in seven games, coincidentally. Uh, I just said the composure that kid um, displayed on Saturday night, the biggest game of anyone's life against a kid, there's a bit of a spark for the doggies. He has been like that. I know he missed a, a week for concussion, but he's been a spark for that uh, for that team for probably a couple of months. And to negate his influence and uh, get a fair bit of the ball himself, 17 disposals versus seven. Uh, he's had five score involvements where Cody had one. Um, mate, I think that was just a, a great so that move. Was the number one great move. Job. That was the number one moment? Well, that was one, one of, yeah. But I'd okay. like to talk about, uh, let's go, Let's give Luke a bit of a wrap. Putting Trelaw into the middle in the second quarter. Started yep. there. He's kicked two goals. He got involved with the third one. I think uh, Norts end up kicking a goal for three. And they swung the momentum the other way. 
due to a lot of his good work. We, we saw um, the Bond kick a couple of goals as well, the kick six in that quarter. And that was a key key move there. Um, what I like at, at halftime, you mentioned the, what vision you saw at halftime, which I said I didn't see it, but I think the composure that Goodwin provides, and I know he might be a Humphrey Bear, you mentioned Turtle, but I think the composure that he brings, especially in the heat of the moment, um, yeah, losing control of the, of the game in that second quarter, what do we do here to actually get back control? I think they leveled that first sort of 15 to 19 minutes of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they kicked a couple of goals to doggies, but we saw what happened after over the next uh, 12, 13 minutes of the third quarter. I think that had a big impact on the group. And you mentioned Choco's talk to or yelling at the boys at halftime, but I think that then moved into Jackson going into the ruck. I think one of the things I really noticed, what I, I liked about that, is that Max actually stayed off the ground. He said, no, no, Lukey's going really well. Just let him keep going. And I think the other thing they identified, and this is a weakness of the, the on-ballers of the doggies, that they allowed them to get front of the stoppage clearance. They get straight through there and you can't stop them. Mm. And I think they identified that, targeted that area. Luke did a ripper job. I think that was just probably the, the move of the of the night, really, with Luke uh, Jackson staying in there. That swung the game. The other thing, and you mentioned before, Turtle, about Viney. Viney, that moment on the wing of that contest, that, that ball up, um, he just in there, it knocked out, Harms ended up with it, and it went to Fridge, kicked a goal, yes, just a goal. But it just gave him a little bit of, it just broke the ice to say, hey, shit, it's been 40 minutes and we kicked a goal, now we're into it. And it comes straight back down there, again, through the middle, clearance, centre clearance, straight through the middle of the stoppage, through the front of the stoppage, sorry, bang, Fridge nearly takes the specky mark, lands, bang, goal, and it was on for... Uh, young and all from that point mm-hmm. onwards. So I think they were great moves. I think if I look at the on-ballers, identifying that move from the front of the from the stoppages, let's just have a look at the quick of the stats. Petrarca had nine clearances, Oliver five clearances. Um, Viney had 12 clearances. He had six centre clearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oliver had five, Petrarca three. I don't know if you realise how far Petrarca carried the ball, so to speak, from a metres gained. 896 metres. Yeah. Let's compare that to a to a Bont and a McRae and a Libba. 470 metres, 307 metres and 315 metres. It just goes back to what I said. They don't run and carry the ball. They don't have enough impact on the ball from a, from a set-up point of view, forward of centre or even the back half. Um, I think we sort of underestimate Viney's game from a from a, just a uh, an impact type of player that he is. I think they did really well. Um, from a rucking point of view, and you mentioned it before, Turtle, I thought Martin negated Max and gone fairly well. I thought English had a really good second quarter. The only thing with that second quarter, all the doggies had a great second quarter. And that, that happens when you get momentum. They failed it when they lost momentum, unfortunately. So um, that's my quick summary of, of some key points for the game. So one, one, so it's almost a non-moment. So, Tex, I know you're very effusive in your views and support of Luke Beveridge, but um, I, I, I think sometimes some of this stuff can also be coaching. So, not only did they weren't able to stem that moment, how the hell do three goals get scored in under a minute? Yeah. Right. Right. Incredible. Right. Because, right, so you get players, uh, the runner can go out after every one of those goals. So, surely... Pull someone out of the square, put someone else into the square. So I almost think the the lack of the lack. Of, I mean, it's almost like he froze in that moment. And I think he got asked this in the press conference as well. Around it happened so quickly. Oh, fine. You, then at three quarter time, it's the last quarter of the season. What are you going to do differently? And nothing's nothing changed. I think they put Shaki in the back half. I saw that. 
um, a fair bit. I saw a bit of Shaggy, but but I think most of the ball lived in the in in Melbourne's half of the um, the ground in that final quarter. So I think the the lack of activity from from Luke was probably a little bit disappointing at that point in time. It was the other thing that that stood out for me when you looked at at those moments. But the Luke Jackson one, I think, um, was was superb. I think you've nailed that. I think and one of the things too, like as a player, and I think as even spectators, when there's 50 seconds to go, you're not expecting a goal to be scored. Maybe maybe one if they get it out right, but not three right. So I think you started to go in a bit of not relax mode, but like I oh, yeah, we'll just hold this up a little bit. We'll get a stoppage again, ball it up, and we'll waste the 50 seconds. Um, bang, they kick a goal within 20 seconds. So there's 30 seconds left on the clock. Even then you go, shit, hang on, no, no, let's get into more a defensive position. If they win the football, they've got to come through us. They've got to try and get around us, through us, whatever, right? Let's let's try that. They didn't even do that. Like, no. they just went bang. And that's – you don't even know that from a coaching point of view. Certainly you have that conversation three good times. What the F went on then? Why didn't you stand in this position? We've gone through these scenarios. They go through different scenarios of training all the time. Why didn't then the captain, the other senior players, are in the middle of the ground – do that. You don't do you, need a runner to come out and tell you what to do. Do you think um, we'll make any more of the fact that he's coached the premiership from being at ground level all year? Will there will that change the way other coaches view that? Oh, I don't know. Sometimes they're down on the ground. I think Leon Cameron was a fair bit down on the ground. Well, Chris Fagan is too, mate. Yeah, so, yeah you won a premiership that way, though. I think it depends on the quality of your assistant coaches up in the box yeah. and what they're doing. And also what your strengths are, right? So yeah, if, if a lot of that is his relationships and his connection to the players and being down there, he can actually have that influence. And I don't think um, the one thing about um, Goodwin is that he's strategically strong. I think Uze and a couple of these other blokes who have been brought in have, have obviously helped um, with, with game strategy as well, particularly stoppage. Remember, there'd be this beast of the honey... Um, type um, discussion around them. So that's changed. So I think they just played to their strength, mate, would be my view on that. Yeah, absolutely they did. They stuck to it. Very good. Incisive as always, coach. Thank you for that. Carry on. Now, this grand final coverage, I, I wanted to spend some time uh, with Turtle TV on this grand final coverage because Channel 7, have, um, similar to... If we liken this to the conversation we've just been having around the two grand final teams, if you just assume the Fox team versus the Channel 7 team, um, if, I'm, if I'm Lewis Martin or whatever his name is, the, produ- <laughs> the, the, guy, the GM down there at Channel 7, he needs to go to the draft. He needs to go to free agency. And as someone I heard on the radio say the other night, he needs to throw the kitchen sink at Anthony Hudson because they need a complete reshuffle of that commentary team. Um, they've got some major issues across the board there, mate. Um, there was not... Apart from Daisy Pierce, it was almost unlistenable, if you ask me, to that grand final. Um, the Brian, Daisy Pierce. Um, she's great. I, I, I like Daisy, Daisy Pierce, Shane, but that's okay. That's why it's called Turtle TV, not not Shane's TV. So um, stick to the um, the coaching tips, okay? I'm just a listener <laughs> here, mate. <laughs> now, um, the, thing about, <laughs> the, the thing about 
um, Brian Taylor. There was one point Bailey Fritch is going through. He's just kicked his fifth goal, right? And and, and he's he's talking about the fact that in grand finals since 2000, there's only been a handful of players who who kicked five goals. And he's got it all asked about. It's up on the screen telling you all the players. And he's saying Bailey Fritch is the only bloke who's kicked more than five goals in a grand final. Brian, God love him, has had his time. Um, and he's got to go. I'm not not a big rap for Jimmy Brayshaw. I think he's a better radio commentator than yeah, yeah. TV commentator. Uh, and Anthony Hudson, in my view, is the best in the business by a mile. Needs to somehow get onto either give Channel Seven, uh, give Fox the the broader commentary. But special comments, Luke Hodge as well, mate. I mean, he's uh, he's become very old school really quickly for a bloke who's just out of the game. The way um, they talk about. Um, Let's say it's a hip and shoulder type thing. He's so pro player. He, he won't say anything um, anti the player or anything like that. So I think um, that was a disappointing selection. You know, they've got Wayne Carey on the bench and he's no good. So, um, and in, if the contrast in pregame coverage, so Fox did, because I had one on the iPad, one on the, um, on, on Channel 7, and Channel 7 obviously had to give the coverage to the pregame stuff. Um, so maybe earlier before that, they may have done, um, when I say pregame stuff, the entertainment, um, they might have done some more analysis earlier, whereas Fox were right into the analysis. So if, you, if you're a dead set footy head and you wanted to see the analysis, Fox were going strong with that, with um, Jonathan Brown and, and Ree Walt and, and Eddie hosting. And then they had Kingy and Lee Montana um, doing all of that. And then postgame, I thought what Fox did by having Gary Lyon there was opportunistic, but just getting the insight from an ex-player's um, point of view, I thought that was really good for the Melbourne supporters. So if you're a Melbourne supporter, yeah. that would have been fantastic. So very short analysis, but I think there's major problems at Channel 7. And I think the wisp needs to be brought back. I mean, that's for the old Abby Holmes. God, please don't ever give her a microphone again. Um, no good. I agree, and I just wonder whether we've learned. You could build a case, I reckon, to say, "Don't worry about the network. Get the best commentators that are available in the in the state, right? So whoever's the best commentator in WA, and have them doing the games in WA for all the networks, and the same in SA. Because I think part of the problem is there's too many commentators, and so the talent pool just falls through the floor. And then when you try and be diverse. And gender specific and all that. I mean, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of people commentating footy on TV, let alone radio, who can't string two words together. So I think it's time for a bit of rationalisation. But I agree with you wholeheartedly about the the main crew on Seven, Brayshaw and Taylor. They 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 don't do much for anybody. Jared Waitley, I would like to see on TV too. Shane, I was just waiting for the invite to say something. Sorry, mate, because I interrupted you before. So. Um... You're allowed uh, back in now, mate. You've come. The down. talent pool is low. Uh, James Brayshaw, no, nah, can't stand him as a as a commentator. I'm not even concerned him on the radio, actually. But um, but anyway, that's just my view. Um, BT, uh, maybe he's still concussed from the explosion down at his property at Mansfield a few weeks ago. So maybe um, he did miss a week uh, through concussion. There's a 12 day protocol, I think, for having a break. So maybe he wasn't quite right. It coincided maybe... with the quarantine period. <laughs> exactly, and maybe. Uh, and maybe he's a bit like Cody Waitman. Um, he's a bit concussed. So, um, yeah, mate, oh, there's a few that shouldn't be on there. Wayne Carey shouldn't be on there. I think he should never have been invited back. Um, 
Well, they've, yeah. they've, they've marginalised Cameron Ling, which is one of the best things they've done. Um, Bartel doesn't get much of a run. Um, so they, they really don't have any, what I would call, A-grade talent anymore. On oh, Channel 7. Ling, yeah. Ling is doing well, though. He's doing the cash converter ads, and, and they're, they're just sensational ads, those cash converter ads. Mm. I, I like Luke Darcy, um, personally, right? But, I, but, but as a... You know, the number one commentators, then I, I think they reside in other places other than Channel 7 at the moment. So, anyway. I think that's right. Just just one final TV tip. Shane, did you tune in for the first episode of US Survivor? Oh, please. Uh, I watched the first hour. Yes, I did. There's some um, characters in that. <laughs> I haven't watched the other bit since. Um I'm not sure if it's as good as the Australian one. Oh no, yet. no, no, no! It'll be better, and they've brought in some new, new tricks and twists to the way in which this works. Don't give me the wind-up section because <laughs> uh, we're already winding up your next segment. But um, US Survivor, stay tuned. Um, they, they, they are just all over it, mate. They are all. Well, over it could it. be like the uh, commentators uh, of the AFL uh, game. They're, they're at the bottom of the talent pool, I think. Nobody does it like Jeff Probst as a as a host of a reality TV show. He is a gun. Triple A rated, mate. All right. Series number forty one, Tex. Series forty. You don't last that long if it's no good, Tex. Thanks, boys. <laughs> and I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood. Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Oh, I'm beyond wound up, boys. I, I hope I don't have this right. Can you believe that the great Melbourne footy club, we can say great now after they've won a flag, and they go back to their first flag in 1900 and all the people that have come and gone, if you went to a life members function at the Melbourne Footy Club, you would see people like Brian Dixon, Hassaman, Robbie Flower, if he was with us, Brett Lovett, Nathan Jones. I hope what I've heard is not true. And as a result of this team winning this flag, those players are going to become life members of the Melbourne Footy Club just because they've won a premiership. What a disgrace to have those five people that I just mentioned to be sharing a table of 10 with Harrison Petty, Keziah Pickett, Michael Hibbard, Ben Brown and Luke Jackson, who all would be lucky to have pubes on their styles or been at the club five minutes. It, it is this recency bias has just gone over the top to your earlier point, Turtle, to make decisions like that in the moment. And Don't say associate that you can, me with this. But I'm just saying to bring life membership and to link it to one, a one-off premiership in the first premiership in so many years, just devalues, in my opinion, mm. the whole thing that life membership is all about. And I hope that it's just Melbourne making a silly comment um, as they celebrate their success, and it's not true, because it would be abysmal if that's what they do. It rings a bell. Did Richmond do that after 2007, I meant? Yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah. And, you, and it's just, it just devalues life membership. You could have a premiership player who's at a club for a year or two, or in, in this case, like Ben Brown, been there five minutes, and, and leave. They give no service to the club. They play one season, two seasons. You can't associate life membership just with premierships, in my opinion. Well, that's why it's called Texas tirade. <laughs> 
yeah, and you're that... clearly upset about it, mate. But um, do you think it's okay, dear? I'm agnostic to it, Tex. Shame. Do you know what that means? Yeah, an agnostic. You don't have a view. You couldn't give a shit. No, I didn't say that. I just said I don't have a very strong opinion either way. But the two are not related. Well, because that's, that's one person's opinion. No, no, no it's Shane. You're the, you are the expert, subject matter expert. Life membership and premiership are not linked intrinsically. Um, no, they may not be because there's criteria set by clubs to warrant um, life membership. So, Collingwood, it's uh, ten seasons of continually playing senior football from a, from a yep. playing point of view. Um, in two thousand and I think so, so sorry, mate, is that 10 years on a list or do you have to play the game? No, you have to play the senior game for 10 okay. seasons. So, so um, like if you miss a, a year of injury and then come back the year after, what happens then? Is that still considered well, as long as you've, you've had 10 seasons of playing a game. So you would have to play 11 seasons then if you missed a whole season of in, through injury. Oh, okay. You would have to play 10 seasons of um, at least one senior game per year. So I... The club, the Collingwood Football Club, uh, inducted everyone basically that was nearly involved with the 1990 season, um, and I think it was 2015. Uh, and the reason why I think that because I think it was just after my dad's passing, where they inducted everyone into the Hall of Fame. Now I didn't agree with that because I'm not sure why. Why should be, you know, there's doctors, trainers, you know, players that may have played. 10 games, 20 games, whatever. I, I mean, I haven't checked the stats, but I just, I don't know, it just didn't sit well with me. I mean, I, was, I accepted it, but like, if you're going to be honoured for uh, a life membership or a Hall of Fame induction as for what you have done as the individual for a long yeah. time serving of the club, so to speak. Um, so is it similar to what, you know, Melbourne have just done with their players and Richmond did in 2017? Uh, did Richmond do it in 2019 and 20? Yeah. yeah, they yeah. Did? yeah. So any so, new player, they've added yeah. But well, I think if, it, it's, um, if, it, if they've set that as their criteria for life membership, then I'm fine with it. But mm. there's two, to me, there's two differences. There's a Hall of Fame, you know, so the great players, or whatever, but life membership is a, is arguably the highest award you could have within within a club or a group. And to kind of just, Ignore your history for the for the present and go. Oh, bang! All those Premiership players like Ben Brown been there. What, how many years Ben Brown been in Melbourne? Well, he hasn't been there for a year. That's right. So he hasn't been. He's, been, he's literally been there for a year. Played. I don't know how many could games. Could have been worse, mate. Magic Daw could have played, been well, the um, the medical sub, and then he would have got a exactly. Um, so James Jordan's going to get one. It's, it's just it mm. just does my head in. Okay, yeah. but Hall well, of Fame, mate. That's, that should be that should be for very few people to be inducted into a. Hall of Fame as well. Correct. There's lots of life members, mate, that clubs appoint people like property stewards and that sort of stuff for, for different mm. reasons. So, But it's about length of service. Would you like to allow me the opportunity to respond? But don't don't confuse the issue, mate. It's, I, it's, I'm not confused. You might be. It's about service, life membership. Yeah. So winning a premiership, I, I, clearly some clubs rate pretty highly in terms of um, service to the club. So... It might have only been for a short time, but obviously quite impactful in the eyes of, of, of those. So each to their own. Mm. But but thanks for that, Tex. Pleasure. Yeah, right, mate. Well done, Tex. Yeah, love your work, mate. <laughs> Shane, this is your favourite segment. 
if you want to get involved. <laughs> the coach and text. Oh, oh lovely text. Was there some activity to finish up the footy season? Uh, well, yes, we've officially finished the footy season, but there'll be more tweeting now than ever with the trades and all that sort of stuff to happen from here on in. But Shano, um, very active, um, the people on um, on Twitter during grand final week. Tex, what caught your eye? Oh, just the, um, when Voss was appointed at Carlton, just the the garbage that just regurgitates. Remember those old, um, what do they used to call them? They were all in, you put them in your sink, where you put Incinkerators. all the shit. Incinkerators. There's like incinkerators just fuel Twitter because people, they they fall in love with Voss like they fell in love with others. And then, oh, big Steve Kernahan stick said it's a line in the sand. They, it's, it's just comical, Carlton. And all their deprived, degenerate followers that support that club and defend them on Twitter, they, it, it just, it's so much fun. I love it. Shane, did you have a view about Vossi's appointment? Uh, I don't rate him. Uh, I don't think they're going to go anywhere with him. I think they'll go backwards. I don't think he'll last three years. It is interesting, right? Because um, when you think about what they talk about with all the successful clubs, even Melbourne talk, I mean, now, of course, it's it's great in hindsight, but now we stuck with Goody and Ruse did this and all this other stuff, right? Even down to the point where they said, oh, Greg Stafford, um, do you know he's been down there for seven years as the ruck coach? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's magnificent. And three years ago, you wanted to tip him out. But anyway, it's good. He, he's hung in there. But it starts up here, right? And even they... It, Remember, they changed presidents at the start of the year. So things weren't so great because the, the previous bloke, I reckon, has been a little bit hard done by. Uh, but nevertheless, you talk about all this alignment and they've got a shyster running the club at Carlton and then they've got a bloke who really wants to be on the beach on the Gold Coast. Um, and, and he come back because he can, can smell the, the blue blood cash and thinking, I've got a victim here. Uh, it is. I mean, they are... But, but it's Hashtag not a joke club. It's not and, even the third or fourth choice, boss. Yeah. They don't even have him oh, well, in their in their sides. They, well, that they want to get the others, mate. Yeah. But, I but, actually but, feel sorry for him. I think he will be a half reasonable coach. I think he's he's done a lot of he's gone back and 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 responded and learnt and done some things based off his first go. But unless they support him Correct. and set up the right environment, and that's the, the, the place where well they might get it right this time. They might. At some point even teams who have bad runs eventually get it right. So the question will be is, will the shyster lead them to that spot? And and we all love our clubs, but some of those people, led by Kim Jong-un and people of his ilk, who just can't help themselves but buy in, and all these groups and clubs and subsets of clubs who worship that. I mean, they, it, it, is, it is so much fun, Shane. If you've got nothing to do over the summer, just sit back and watch them talk absolute shit. They, they are a joke. Uh, I'll be working on my suntan. Sorry, guys. Well, you might want to make pale face amigo over there, mate. One, one, wasn't he? One That's of why the, I need to be out there, mate. I have no wasn't he one of the one of the best trotters going around? Old oh, pale face amigo, so, mate. Okay. Loved it. He was he, good. He's a modern version of the the horse races down in Tasmania. GG, whatever. Uh, all the GGs. <laughs> hey, speaking of GGs, can I can I give you? Can I leave you with something? A tip. A winner. Have you got a pen? And our listeners, mm. grab your pens, yeah. pencils and crayons and write this down. I'm about to s- stab that voodoo doll I've got of you, Tex, but anyway, just, go on. Just just write this down. M, capital M, O-N-T, 
E F I L I A. Montefilia. Yeah, just just remember that name, Shano. Remember it. it. Was a very good horse. Yeah, and just watch it go bang, bang, bang in the spring while we're off air. And if you can, if I can get through the finer details of my contract, and you force me to do a couple of episodes over the spring, we will be talking about Montefilia. It's twenty six dollars as we speak for the Melbourne Cup. I'm not saying it's going to win the Melbourne Cup, but it'll win some big, big races in the spring. It's a three-year-old. Shane, just back it. Just back it and watch. <laughs> just Don't question it. Just back it. It's better that he mentions these things afterwards, Shane. It always works better for him when he tells okay. us afterwards. Right because on. as soon as he starts yapping about his bets, you know, the only one that come off was put 10 grand on any one of these three teams and you'll still end up with more money. And he was guaranteed to walk away with cash after the grand final when Melbourne Correct. played the Bulldogs. Correct. Uh, but but lo and behold, he didn't put thirty grand down. He could have he could have ended up with forty five. I reckon they were paying about four fifty or four seventy was the the worst paying one out of the three. And he didn't actually do it. And and guess what? He's just sitting here now telling us about Montefilia. Just uh, just remember the name. Just remember it. That's all I ask of you and the listeners. Tex, on a more serious note, because we are going to have a few weeks off, we, we, we think we've got one of our a highlight guests to, to come join us for the Spring Carnival. We can't reveal it at this particular point in time because we do have to get through a little bit of red tape. Um, but I do want to raise out now, last year when we launched the podcast, we spoke about wanting to support a charity and got no love from Headspace. Headspace. Right. But... There's another one that, I, that I'd, I'd, I'd suggest to our listeners and, and yourselves to have a look at. And I started following him on Twitter a little while ago, and I sent it to you both over the last few days called The Male Hug. Uh, it's a focus on men's mental health. And they're launching um, something called Talktober in, lo and behold, October. Um, so, And the, the challenge is to talk to one mate on every day of October. Um, so it's a little bit on the AUOK type thing, but it's for every day in October uh, to promote men talking about things. So why don't we start a fundraiser between the three of us? I've just looked at the page now. Why don't we start a fundraiser for Talktober for the coach and Tex? Tex, uh, I'm not sure I can edit this out. My, my skills are not that. That's swift. So um, do you want to quickly tell us as we as we go to close off this episode, what does that actually mean? About the fundraiser? Yes. Oh, you can actually sign up and take the challenge to call the mate every day in October, as you said, but you can start a Talktober fundraiser so you get people to support us, um, to support our challenge and help us continue to raise money for the great cause. So we'll do the phoning. We just need people to support us. Text, that's great. We'll launch it for us. I'll look, and, leave and it with me. Away. Leave it with me. I'll get on, on the, the Twitter with our tweeters and I'll talk up Talktober. Hopefully it, it goes better than that um that tipping competition that you ran where you changed the rules halfway through. Where, where, where will they find us, Shane? <laughs> At the coach and text. Oh, mate, he's done his own intro as well. I love it. I've got a question. I've got a question to you too. What if I don't have 31 mates? Shane. Um, I think you do. You're much loved out there in the community, mate. Even by someone who I ranked today and told them that you were the head person on the podcast and they didn't know who you were. 
I said, no, go, 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 go check him out that on Wikipedia. That person cannot come on the podcast. <laughs> he is I'm not actually, welcome. Can, I'm giving can you away, have... it's a male, listeners, it's a male that's uh, our special guest potentially. He's not coming on. If he comes on, I'm not on. Okay. Hey, uh, I rang one of our favourite Twitters today. Tweeters. I keep saying oh, Twitters. Uh, you're a twit. That's why, mate. I, I, I picked up the phone. I know it's foreign in this day and age. I picked up the phone and I called Two Plank Mike. Oh. And and did he give me a dressing down, mate? A bit like yourself, Shane. He said, I'm glad you're still alive. And, and I took my medicine. So a cheerio to Two Plank Mike. He's loving the show. Loving it. Give you a text. He's got things to say. So um, we'll think about that. I reckon we get him on for the carnival because he he doesn't mind a little shy at the stumps, old Mike. Mm. Okay. That's good. All right, boys. Well, that officially ends the footy season. Um, I'm saddened, but it has been compromised. But well done, Melbourne. Um, loved working with you, Blakes. Actually, it's not even work, mate. It's, as we know, it's a passion of ours. Um, <laughs> and it's a whole heap of fun. And I can't wait to be back in a few weeks. Is that passion in inverted collars? Collins? What is it? Com- Something, like Something like that. Something like that. It's been a pleasure, but I, I, I think we need to we need to double down. Themailhug.com.au or at the coach and tech. Yeah. Very so good, good, boys. We'll see you in a few weeks. Enjoy, Thanks, your, enjoy Thanks, your break. Coach.